This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome to another episode of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, the podcast that follows the fantastic Chelsea FC women's team. I'm your host, Jane, joined this week by my co-host, Dane. Dane, how are you? Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, looking forward to this uh, preview of a game that might actually go ahead. So really looking forward to it. So like, because where we've had the Christmas and the new year and obviously the old cliche, oh, we last time we played was last year. Uh, feels like it's been a long time, but yeah, looking forward to this. Yeah, no, definitely looking forward to the game. I'm definitely not looking forward to the journey up there, though, but it will be worth it. Oh, you're going? Yeah. That is a long journey. It definitely is. Now, there's no Dean today as he's on the men's team duty with the Chelsea fan cast. So we've got some help for tonight in the shape of the very, for the, of the ever insightful Rob from Rob Prattley, editor of the Chelsea Social. Rob, welcome back to the show. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. And like I said, looking forward to actually hopefully seeing a game happen this weekend. I mean, that's a that's a rarity, isn't it? Yeah, it seems like it's very yet very rare, and we're quite lucky when the games actually go ahead. Now we're here because after four long weeks, Chelsea are back in action this upcoming Sunday, the sixteenth of January, away to Everton in the WSL. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Peter Mack from Everton Women TV podcast to give us the opposition view. Dane, it's great to see the team back in action, isn't it? Yeah, if, if my memory serves me correct, the last time they played was, I think it was the 16th of December, because that was my daughter's birthday. So I remember after we'd spent the day with her, gone out for dinner, I'm sure we played Wolfsburg that night and lost. So it was a bit of a, you know, it didn't end great. Uh, so again, what's that, 27, 28, 29 days? Or just off my head, it's almost like a winter break, isn't it? Which obviously some countries like and some people don't. And... I know after a couple of disappointing results, you know, the 1-0 at Reading and Wolfsburg as a footballer, 
not by him, obviously, not that level, but as a footballer, you uh, you want to get back into it quite quick and play a game to get out of your system. And as I said, they've had to wait, what, 27, 28, 29 days. So fingers crossed, you know, they finally have a chance to to, to make it up this, this Sunday. Yeah, hopefully we'll start the way as we want to sort of continue and start off with a winning start. Rob, we left 2021 not in a particular great place, but given the Arsenal result last weekend, we've been given a way back into the title race. So this game has just got a little bit bigger, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I put the Birmingham game on on Sunday just to see how Arsenal um, sort of came into the new year, having absolute trepidation. And I have to say, tactically, I think it was one of the best performances I've seen ever against one of the big three in the WSL. I mean, if you'd have watched it from a pure neutral perspective and you'd have said one of the teams was bottom of the league and the other was top of the league, you'd have thought it was Birmingham, top of the league. They got everything spot on. They didn't allow Arsenal to sniff um, through the game. And I think, you know, as a result of that, if Chelsea can, you know, turn it around and get the results that they need going forward, it then puts massive pressure on Arsenal to come to Kings Meadow because we know Kings Meadow will be absolutely rocking when it comes around to it. And players, they do remember... And Arsenal mentally will be starting to think that, you know, hang on, we've been in these situations before and we've blown it. And Jonas Edeval has been in these situations before and blown it. And it will be weighing on their mind. Yeah, I think it's definitely given us sort of as Chelsea fans hope for the end of the season now. I think the way sort of Arsenal were playing and then the games we've sort of lost and drawn, it sort of did put the league out of the window for us. But hopefully now we have still got the opportunity to sort of make a comeback and hopefully Arsenal's games will sort of go not in their favour and we'll be able to sort of cruise through the rest of the season. Mm. I, I think it's definitely worth remembering that at the moment there's still no confirmed date on Leah Williamson coming back and if they potentially have to go to Manchester I think they still got to play Manchester United but if they have to go to a resurgent Manchester City who are now finally starting to get their act together and come to Kings Meadow about Leah Williamson I think they will struggle to take more than one point from those fixtures. Yeah, I think they've still got to play. They've got to play us, City, and United all the way from home. So mm. it is going to be tough for them. And hopefully, fingers crossed, it's going to go our way. They mm. know Sam Kerr or G So Young because they're away at the Asia Cup. So huge chance now for Bethany England to stake her claim in this side. And it's better for her. She's playing without the pressure of Kerr coming on as a sub or being benched the next game, isn't it? Yeah, you know, we, we was talking about her in the last podcast, wasn't we? And, you know, the rumours of her uh, going to Manchester United. Uh, you know, I said, you know, with my blue glasses off, I'd, I'd like her to go. I think she deserves, you know, to play at this age, coming up to her prime. But selfishly, with my blue tinted glasses on, you know, I'm glad she stayed. She, you know, she's going to have a chance, you know, to lead the line, uh, lead it for a few games. I don't know how many games uh, Sam Kerr misses if potentially she does get to the final or how many weeks. Uh, but I don't know where uh, Lauren James is on fitness. So, but she oh, she can play in, in, in any of the positions in, in the front three. You know, we, Bethany will be the one leading the line. And, you know, I'm fully confident that she, she's more than capable of it. As I've said so many, many times without repeating myself and people going, cool, you've said that before. She walked into a lot of teams. Uh, she's class. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her play without that, without that pressure or... You know, as we said, it's hard as a, as a striker coming on for 15, 20 minutes and and knowing that, you know, what you do, maybe you won't get in the team the next week. So, yeah, pressure's off, but pressure's on as well because she's still playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world. 
I have a feeling they're not back till sort of after the international break in February. I could be wrong, but I just sort of guess that after the rest of the clubs go international, they'll be back sort of then with everyone else. So hopefully it will give the Beth the chance that she deserves to sort of play and everything. But we'll just have to see. Rob, we haven't got any information about availability of our players from the training pictures. We haven't seen Magda or Melly. We saw Fran briefly on Tuesday morning. One, how much of a concern is it potentially not having these three players? And two, why don't the club have better communication about player availability? I mean, you know, if I could answer the second one, then I'd be sort of, you know, making an awful lot of money going on various places and criticising the club for their policy. Um, I mean, I think that partly an element of it is probably the mind game side of it. I think Emma Hayes probably wants as little information out as possible because it means that if you're constantly, if you know, if the fans don't know, then it means the opposition don't know and they're constantly guessing. Number two, I think it's also just an element of it being, um, what's the sort of politest way to put this, um, the fact that the women's game is still lagging behind the men's game. I mean, even at times, let's face it, the men's communication for Chelsea Football Club isn't exemplary. Um, and I think it's just a case that we're still getting to that point where it is becoming commonplace. The other thing is also with pressers. I think that's the big thing that I um, really think about it is the press conferences for the women's games. You rarely ever hear sort of, you know, the outcome of press conferences apart from, you know, the odd snippet or soundbite. And because the questions often that get asked are always so, you know, vague and vacuous, you never really get someone just asking, so what's the team news or what's the, you know, injury situation? It's always more vague, you know, nebulous terms. Just on the topic of the Asia Cup, it finishes on the 6th of February. So I imagine all the players back around, you know, the 10th. I mean, like I said, the uh, Arsenal-Chelsea game, I think, is on the 13th. And I can't imagine Arsenal are going to want to, potentially, Leah Williamson's also unavailable. I can't imagine they'd want to be without Catley for that game because I think especially at the weekend, it showed how important Catley is to their system as a player who is a very solid defender. And without her in there, they had to play, they tried to play the back three and Simone Boy Sorensen completely wilted. And I, you know, I think if you put her up against Sam Kerr, then uh, Sam Kerr would have an absolute field day or even against Beth England. I think Beth England would have a field day. Yeah, because Arsenal have actually lost quite a few players. I know they've lost a goalkeeper, I'm sure, and... Lydia, Lydia, Lydia Williams, Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford have all gone. And then obviously, I think Tobin Heath is now back in training, but obviously she's still not fully fit. Leah Williamson is back in training, but not fully fit. And Ada Val did say that they took some knocks against Birmingham. So I think, you know, you're starting to now also see the, the squads being tested a little bit. Although yeah, they, do have, they do have a player coming in. Um, again, Steyn of who it'll be interesting to see how Black Stainius does in the second half of the season. Um I know that she's incredibly, you know, highly rated and done very, very well in Sweden. But it'd be interesting to see if she can transfer that form immediately, especially not having really had a break. Yeah, no, definitely. Dane, we've heard a lot about the return back, a return to the back four with the new signing of Abdelina. Have I said yeah. that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, d- I've done well today. <laughs> <laughs> at left back but after what we heard from medicine on our transfer pod it's more than likely it will be free at the back again for this game won't it well yeah obviously kind of connecting you know we've heard lots of talk with, with to with what rob says you know the lack of you know sky sports news the lack of uh, radio shows which obviously just 
uh, talk all about the women's game gives us like no hints. So we haven't got, you know, so then the managers and the club can hide behind, obviously, you know, tactics, lack of players who is injured, who's not because we haven't got, you know, that, that attention from, from, from all these shows. Uh, so in that case, uh, is it just a rumour on Twitter? Uh, mm. You know, it's we, we regarding formations, you know, we get our best news off Twitter. Uh, it, it could be more, it'd be lovely to be more, you know, and, and going on. Ugh. Thing is, we decided before Arsenal lost that we're going to have to win every game. Uh, she's had a month to think about things, Emma. Uh, and, you know, again, I always say who just took formation and the tactics suit, you know, uh, I'm always one for... Again, repeat myself, you know, you can easily write down all the players and, and the formations and see who it actually suits. You know, if you change it, you have to change it now. It's not worth waiting to see uh, if, if we have another bad result and what she would do. It, you know, how do you second judge an expert? You know, uh, if she believes, you know, the lack of players we're missing, you know, you said quite a few players are missing, picking up knocks uh, in the Asia Cup. And she might think like a back four suits us, go back to the four, two, three, one, which I actually quite liked. From a couple of years ago, we might even see Abdelina early. I doubt it, but as I said on the previous show, I've got the Ivanovic about her. I think we might not see her for for a few months, and they'll just bed her in. Could be wrong, could mm. be wrong, but I don't expect her to change. But if she does, I think she will. Will now? I don't think she'll wait. Uh, if she doesn't change now, I don't think she will until the summer. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I think if she's going to change, she's going to change early and stick with it. If not, she'll hold out and wait probably to the new season to sort of try and change the team around and try a new formation. We're going to go for a short break. And when we get back, we'll be joined by Peter from Everton Women TV podcast to give us the opposition view. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Chelsea 
fans, real opinions. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back to Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Now time for the opposition review. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show Peter from Everton Women TV podcast. Peter, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully the technical issues will hold out this time for us and we'll have no issues. Yeah, thanks very much for inviting me on again. Um, it was a shame last time that the that the that um, you know we were let down by technology, but hopefully this time it'll it'll be a lot smoother. <laughs> Many pundits and fans expected big things from Everton after their summer spending, but it hasn't quite worked out that way. What's the feeling from Everton fans of the season so far? I think it's hard to to not feel you know a lot of disappointment to be honest with you. Like you say, we we went into the season with a lot of hope, a lot of optimism. Um, we've made a lot of signings in the summer and, you know, Willie Kirk, who was the manager at the time, was was talking us up as potential Champions League contenders uh, or one of the contenders for one of those top three spots. It hasn't worked out like that. We started the season um, in horrific fashion, to be honest with you, with back-to-back 4-0 defeats, including against Chelsea. Um, and, and unfortunately, Willie Kirk um, eventually lost his job. Um, but certainly with Jean-Luc Vasseur coming in, um, it gives us fresh optimism, and um, we've we've got a we've got a lot of players there who are still settling into the side. We've got a lot of players who are settling into the league, um, and I think that Jean Luc um, certainly gives us gives us reason to be optimistic going going forward. That sort of links on to the next question I was going to ask you. Have you seen sort of changes to the team play since Willie Turk's Willie Kirk's been sacked, and are the fans happy with the new manager? Um. I wouldn't say we've seen wholesale changes, to be honest with you, because, I mean, one thing to bear in mind as well is he hasn't had really had a chance to bring in his own players. Um, one one big change, if you like, in terms of in terms of the, the team would be that he's made Izzy Christiansen captain, um, which, you know, it, it's it's a it's a good it's a good role for Izzy. She's she's a, she's one of our leaders on the pitch, as it is anyway. Um and certainly, we've seen Izzy step up to the plate as captain, and we're very happy with her. Um, I think, as I say, in terms of the actual style, I don't think I've seen too much change at the moment. But I think it's probably early days for him to really start putting his, you know, really putting his mark on the team. Um, I think it's been difficult as well because of certain injuries. Um, some of our some of our players have, have been out uh, for, for a number of games throughout the season, so we've had to chop and change the side a little bit. Um, but certainly with the second half of the season and having had this this sort of winter break, as it were, with the um, and certainly with some of the postponed games, um, I think hopefully we we can see a bit more of 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 his character within the side. How do you think Everton are going to sort of approach this game? Will they try and play on the front foot and try to exploit some some of Chelsea's weak spots, or will they sit deeper and try and counter? It's difficult, isn't it? Because I'm sure Chelsea are very used to teams sitting back and, and they're able to, they've got so much quality in the side and they're able to break teams down at will almost. Um, I think certainly, you know, if we, if we look back to Chelsea's last result um, against Reading, it, that, that possibly gives us a little bit of hope and um, the last results in the league. And, you know, when you look at, you know, Arsenal's, Arsenal's game against Birmingham last week, it, it's it's one of those things where anything can sort of happen in this league. Um 
certainly no one would have given Birmingham a chance, um, you know, a prayer to, to get anything out of that game and, and they've ended up beating Arsenal. So that would give us give us hope. Um, I think if we sit back too much, I just think that Chelsea's quality will eventually break us down. I think we've got enough attacking quality to actually have a go. Um, but it's it, you know it's it's really dangerous to, to to play attacking football against Chelsea. Basically, either way, we're in trouble. But we just need to make sure that we we stick to our guns and we and we and we try try our best to try and counter Chelsea. At Chelsea, we get no information about injuries. Is this the same at Everton, or are you aware of any missing players you'll have for the game? Do you know what it, it, it's? We tend to hear about the long-term injuries pretty much immediately, but any of the any of the little knocks, we don't tend to uh, to get that much information coming out of the club. Um, certainly, I'm not aware of any any new injuries since you know since the winter break. Um, we we have a, a few players who are out long-term, like um, you know uh, Nico. She's she's out with a with a knee, um, a cruciate ligament injury, so she's out for the season. Valerie Gorvan has been struggling with her fitness probably for the best part of a year. So I don't think she's she's quite fully fit yet. Um, and again, it, it depends on on the situation within the club in terms of COVID as well, because obviously there's, there's been a lot of games which have been called off recently. Um, I've not heard any any mumblings of, of any in our squad, but, you know, it, it spreads fast, doesn't it? So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I think talking about, like, obviously the players with COVID, I don't, the players sort of don't really come out and say they've got it. It's sort of kept on the down low for all we knew for all we know, some of our players could have COVID. So it's just sort of on the day to see what team gets put out and then you know who's injured, who's not. Some predicted you'd finished in the Champions League places. You're currently nine nine points off Spurs in third. What are the expectations for the rest of the season? I think, again, we've just got to consolidate. We've got to try. We, we've got to... Um, <sighs> We're in, you know, with respect to the teams below us, but I wouldn't say we're in we're in any 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 danger of going down. Um, I think it's it's a case now of of getting some of the younger players a lot of ex, you know more experience. Uh, Hannah Benison, for example, we signed there in the summer, a really really big prospect, a Swedish prospect. Um, I think Hannah will will hopefully be looking to kick on and and get a lot more minutes under her belt uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, Grace Clinton, another player a young English player that we've got who's who's been outstanding for us this season, even in difficult circumstances. Grace has been one of the one of the shining lights in the side. Um so I think certainly from now to the end of the season we're going to be looking to just try and get our personality a bit more and try and try and figure out a, a, a way, a style that suits us. Um and certainly there's going to be a lot of players who are going to be fighting for the contracts as well because I think we've got about eight players out of contract in the summer. So, you know, I'd expect the players, regardless of whether we've got a chance of, of getting that top three, which obviously I, I very much doubt, um, the players are still fighting for something they've got to fight for for, for their futures at the club, um, especially with a new manager. Even the even the players that you would assume would be first-choice players, it, it, it's there's no guarantees when a new manager comes in. So we've also got the FA Cup as well. Um, we've got... a a trip to Huddersfield in the FA Cup, so we would hope that we could uh, we could give a good performance there, and and hopefully get through to the next round. Um, but as I say, in terms of the rest of the season, um, our ambitions are, are basically to um, to try and pick up as many points as possible, um, and and get some more experience for some of the younger players. I think that's that's about the uh, the limit. I don't think anyone sort of knows how this season's going to sort of pa- the rest of the season's going to pan out for any team really. I think everyone's shocked with the way City have sort of started the season and who knows what's going to happen this second half of the season. 
Um, Rob and Dane, have you got any questions that you want to ask, Peter? I think I have one, which is um, more a sort of a broad one, is that do you think there was too much um, sort of transfer business last summer and it needed to be a case of sort of, you know, more gradual um, additions to the infrastructure? I think it was seven permanent new additions made to the squad. And obviously I appreciate the squad wasn't huge under Willie Kirk, but he was often renowned for working well with quite a small Nick core and working to his principles obviously having seven players brought in including one of the world's best young players in Hannah Benison and also a established England international who ultimately does come with a bit of reputation in Tony Duggan do you think that ultimately was perhaps maybe not the best hiring policy or I, I, I do agree with that yeah and I think you see that you see that throughout the football world when teams when teams tend to go out and, and make wholesale changes it can be very difficult to sort of to, 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 to find a system which suits suits those players because if you if you sign in one or two players and they're coming into an established group you already have a style of play you already have you know the leaders within the dressing room all of a sudden if if there's wholesale changes the whole dynamic can change that overnight um so it's it is a very good point and, and me personally i've i've never liked going out and, and signing you know five six seven eight players i just don't think it, it it works obviously with the we did lose a few players who were out of contract which which mm-hmm. wouldn't have helped but um i think ultimately even some of some of the areas that we strengthened, I don't particularly think that I think that there were more pressing areas, certainly in the centre of midfield, that we that, that we really needed. We needed someone to sit in front of that back four. Um and and that was a player that we, we didn't go out after we lost we, we had Jill Scott um on loan last January and she did a fantastic job for us. And we didn't replace her, which I I I thought was was strange. But yeah, in, in terms of making wholesale changes, I, I totally agree with that. With that, mm. um, that it is it's it's such a, a dangerous thing to do, um, in terms of just the stability of a football club. Mm. And I think it's probably worth noting in terms of that defensive midfielder, it was pretty well documented that you wanted Freedom Marnham, who obviously yeah. has gone to Arsenal and done very very well. Do you think? Obviously, I appreciate it's hypothetical and it's difficult to answer this sort of um question but do you think you'd have perhaps seen better early season results if you'd have had that extra you know steel and anchor in there I, I subscribe to the view that it's the most important and most underrated position on the pitch and that when they're there you don't really notice them but when they're missing that's when you really recognize the value of them Absolutely. I mean, we lost Agarola, um, you know, when she left for, for you know last season for Leon, and I, th- I think that she was she was the player that we were hoping to build our future around. She was a young, a young up and coming midfielder um, mm. with with so much potential, but also she, you know, we we missed her daily once once she she left, um, and we found it difficult to actually find a, find a long term replacement. Um, you know. I, we, we also lost Abby as well. Abby left to, to join West Ham in the summer and, and she was another player very much in the, in the, the Jill Scott mould. She was tall, athletic, um, a tough tackler, someone who could who could protect that back four. So yeah, it's it's certainly a, a position which which I I think that we've that we've lacked this season or we've we've certainly missed someone in in, in that middle. Um Aurora Gali is is a is a you know a really good technical footballer. Um, but but she's not necessarily the type who's going to get stuck in and, and really dominate the midfield. Um, so I think we do that. That is a position that I think you know we're we're desperate for. Dane, did you have any questions? Uh, I suppose it was just you know what I noticed. I can't sit here and and make out. I know a lot about Everton's women's team. You know I do watch a lot of sport, but obviously I don't push it out that far. And I was just noticing obviously your results. You know we we talked about the. 
they obviously Rob talked about the turn of you know the return of Duggan and you've got Hannah Benison and and obviously the, the French girl uh, Valerie Gorvan you know but have you been like just missing chances or have you just been struggling to score because I noticed he bought in your new manager bought in the ex Premier League player isn't he is it Frederick Piccinay who used mm. to play for West Ham and Portsmouth and he, he quite a decent pedigree actually you know probably about a good 10, 15 years ago. He even, even scored a Goodson Park. He might have scored he a he winner for West Ham or Pompey <laughs> or someone. So he's obviously highlighted that, you know, the strikers do need a bit of help. But is 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 is, is, is the for, has the formation and tactics been letting like, the, uh, the attacking players down or is it just their missing chances? I think Tony Tony Douglas only got one in the league, has she? And, and yeah, yeah. that talent, that's quite surprising. Yeah, absolutely, and I think Tony was very unlucky. Certainly at the start of the season, she was she was sort of getting half chances. You know, goalkeepers were mm. pulling off great saves. Um, but you are right; we, we haven't been creating as many chances as, as we would have liked. I think Claire Emsley missing missing a number of games hasn't helped. She's she's probably one of our, our biggest attacking threats from out wide. Um, she's a very very dangerous, very intelligent player, and we certainly miss her when she's not on the side. Um, Simone McGill was out injured at the start of the season but she's actually come in and, and scored a couple of goals now so she's another a, she's the type of player who can get a goal out of nothing Simone McGill if you look at if you look back through her goals a lot of her goals are down to pure grit and determination mm-hmm. um, so she can make a chance for herself um, but I think in terms of the style of play um, since Jean Luke's come in I wouldn't want to criticise but you, you know the build-up for me has, on occasions or quite often, to be honest with you, been very slow. We've been very slow bringing the ball out from the back. Um, you know, we're, we're we're playing very nice football and very nice one-touch football, but it's all in our own half. We're getting to the halfway line, and then all of a sudden, the, you know, the front players are isolated. Um, I think Grace Clinton is, uh, um, who I mentioned earlier on, a young English player. She's coming to the side more over like the, over the last four or five games. And she started to show her quality in that final third. Um, she's a very dangerous player in terms of she can she can take the ball with her back to goal. She can create chances in that final third. She gets in in, in pockets of space. Uh, she can break the lines. She's the type of player that I think we've missed earlier on in the season. Um, but again, she's she's still only so young, so we've got to be careful with her. Um, Hannah Benison has not really had, I would say, enough of a chance yet. But again, she's young, so you don't want to put too much pressure on her. Um, Kenza Daly has always looked looked busy, always looked um, you know, one of the one of our best players when she's been on the pitch. But again, she's been in and out the side. Um, I think one of the main issues has been having a settled team. And and you know, it's going back to what, what we were saying earlier, um, with, with wholesale changes, sometimes it takes a while for those players to gel. And sometimes, and certainly with a new manager, you're trying different systems and and it, it just takes time. I think at some point. We've got to just hit form. Um, I'm hoping anyway. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. when did you lose to Spurs? Was that just before oh, Christmas? So that was the last game. So you've had yeah. a few weeks off as well, didn't you? Yeah, we've had a few weeks off. We went to play in Aston Villa uh, last week, but that got that got called off. So we've got um, yeah, we've got a bit of catching up to do in terms of our fixtures, um, as we all have, you know. Um, but the Spurs game again, that was disappointing. Uh, it was it, it was a quite a flat performance to be honest with you, but I, I don't think it was necessarily the type of game that you, you would um, you know. I think I think Tottenham just about deserved deserved the win. Um, I don't think that we created enough chances to, to take anything out of the game, but still disappointing to to lose lose by a goal to nil. Um, but 
yeah, we've we've just got to bounce back now, and I'm sure Chelsea will be feeling the same way after their last league league game, and they're going to be looking looking to really kick on again after um, Arsenal drop points last week. Well, I've said he's had a couple of weeks, your new manager, to maybe put a new stamp on the team. You know, yeah. quite a few training sessions. We were talking before you came on about our, our our recent results, which haven't been good, and will Emma having nearly a month off change the formations and tactics a bit? So it will be interesting to see how both teams set up on Sunday. Absolutely, and as and certainly with Emma Hayes as well, she's she's one of the top coaches in world football. To be honest, she's uh, she's absolutely fantastic. Um, and you know, you normally talk about the biggest threats from from any team you're facing. Emma Hayes is is the one for me. She can uh, tactically, she is she is absolutely superb. I feel I, I put a tweet out the other week saying basically, I feel like I'm 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 in a lesson. I feel like I'm learning every time I listen to Emma Hayes talk, whether she's as a pundit or whether she's just you know in the studio. Um, she's got such such depth of knowledge and and even listening to her on the sidelines, the instructions she gives her players, I think she's a top, top coach. Um, so, yeah, I think, and in terms of how we set up, it's it's not just how we counter the players, it's how we counter Emma Hayes because, you know, she she is such a such a, a tactical, a student of the game and, and someone who is, is such, so well-respected. Um, and, yeah, and also, congratulations as well. She's, she's just been awarded an OBE, uh, which is well-deserved. Yeah, nice words, Peter. Thank you for that, yeah. Um, Peter, one last question I want to ask you. What is your score prediction for the game? <laughs> do you want my honest one or my optimistic one? Both. <laughs> Both. <laughs> Optimistically, we'll go for it. 1-1. That's my optimistic one. <laughs> um, just to bear in mind, by the way, we haven't scored, you've got, scored against you in the league. I think it was 2014, the last time we scored against you in the league. 13 or 14, and it was Nikita Paris. The last, the last Everton player to score against Chelsea in the league. So, you know, um, so 1-1, one, one, we're going to break that. Um, we're going to break that duck. Um, but realistically, I, I could see it being 2 or 3 nil to Chelsea, to be honest. Fair enough. I feel like if it is any of your players that score against us, it's going to be Tony Duggan. She seems to have a thing scoring against Chelsea. But who knows? I'm hoping, obviously, us to win. But you want them to win. So we'll just have to see Sunday... Thank you so much for joining us. Good luck with the rest of the season, obviously, apart from Sunday's game. Do you want to let the listeners know where they can find you on social media? Yeah, so we've, we've just started a new podcast, um, which will be starting this week, um, which uh, our Twitter handle is at um, EWFCTV. Um, so we've we've just set up the Twitter page, we've just set up the Instagram page, and and it will be coming soon. Um, my uh, Twitter handle at Peter J Macker. Again, you can you can if you want to see me winding up some Liverpool fans on there, uh, give me a follow as well. <laughs> Brilliant, thank you, Peter. Make sure you check out Peter and the rest of the Everton Women's TV podcast and give them some support as they're starting out their new venture. We love to support people creating content on the women's game. I'll make sure I leave all the links in the description of this episode. Join us back after this break and we'll give our own predictions and try and name a starting 11 if we can. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Welcome back to Went to My King's Meadow. Dane, very interesting to hear from Peter about Everton. They've not been having a great season. Only three wins all season, one win in their last five games. 
But the turn of the new year and this extended period in training with the new manager could be a way for them to turn this season around, couldn't it? Yeah, it's always one of my favourite parts, uh, the opposition view. When, when I do the men's fan casts uh, on a Friday for the, the preview shows, you, you know, you meet some really, well, you meet them obviously via Zoom, some really interesting people. And, and you know, as Chidge said, Chidge on the fan cast, you know, when you scratch the surface, we are all the same. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, obviously we have, you know, we, we have the banter, we have the rivals. Sometimes we dislike other teams, but we all want what's best for our team. We're all like proper, like sporty, you know, eat, sleep and drink it. You know, that old that old chestnut. So, yeah, it's, it's nice. And it was nice hearing him from Peter. And good luck with his, obviously, starting up with a, with a new podcast. And he, he spoke so passionately and so well that you want to wish him luck, obviously, when they don't play against... Uh, uh, Chelsea and yeah you know good luck to him you know he's got a good pedigree in the manager sort of Rob said uh, off record earlier when we was talking about his time at Leon that he didn't think his his uh, his tactics or his formation was up to much and, and Peter sort of like did say you know obviously he didn't agree with Rob directly but he did say his build-ups a little bit slow and they pass it around a lot without not going anywhere so Obviously, what Rob saw at Leon, uh, Peter's starting to see at Everton. But yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that. But hopefully, if he is starting to put his stamp on on on, on the Everton team, hopefully it can wait another week. Rob, did anything Peter tell us change your views on the game at all? I mean, not only on the game, I think it did confirm to me that just apart from Arsenal women's fans, everyone quite likes Emma Hayes. Um, you know, I, I often have arguments with Arsenal women's fans who tell me that Emma Hayes is, you know, anything from the most arrogant per I've heard, you know, the female Mourinho, the most arrogant person in football, all sorts of stuff. And I, you know, I know there's a rivalry there, but at times I just think it goes, people are blinkered too far. It, you know, for example, with Arsene Wenger on the men's side, even though I didn't like Arsene Wenger all the time, I will admit he was a world-class coach and, you know, transformed the club. And I think people should be more respectful of Emma Hayes. I think it was really important to point out about the OBE as well, because I think that's not just for services to Chelsea Football Club, that services to the women's game. And Emma Hayes has advanced that, you know, 20, 30 years in the space of, you know, a span of a decade, maybe, with all of the evolution and development that she has pushed and spearheaded. I think it was quite interesting to hear him agree um, about the point about transfers and that, you know, bringing in multiple players doesn't always sort of, you know, help because I think a lot of the time and certainly I've been guilty of this before and I know other people have, is that in the summer window we said, why aren't we bringing in, you know, three or four, five or six players into the squad and bolstering the squad? And I think it is important for us to remember, even though results haven't gone our way necessarily as much this season, particularly in the UWCL, as much as it has to say, this team last year won a domestic quadruple and got to a Champions League final. It's not as if we're dealing with a bad squad to begin with. Dane, the head-to-head record between our two clubs is very interesting. In the last 10 times they've played, Chelsea have won eight, drawn once and lost once to an aggregate score of 22-2. to It makes it good for reading, but can we maybe read too much into stats like this? Yeah, well, obviously, yeah, it does. It makes it very good for reading. And, and yes, we can read too much into stats, you know. Uh, you you always look into the stats before you before you play the game. You know, no doubt we all went into the the Juventus Champions League game fairly confident we would beat them and break them down. Uh, obviously, not foreseeing a nil nil again. The same with Reading losing one nil, and we all probably fancied our chances with Wolfsburg uh, away uh, as long as we didn't lose two nil. So, uh, 
stats are good for reading, but you know when it comes down to it, it it's it, it's on the day, isn't it? And as as we've sort of like talked about earlier, you know, will will, will Emma H change the tactics? You know, certain players missing, certain players injured, and yes, yes, I I I having having I've obviously listened to Peter and listened to Rob and thinking about what sort of formation and tactics they'll come up with. I think it will be sort of one way traffic, uh, and. I think hopefully it won't be like the Reading game. Fingers crossed. Okay, let's put a team on paper. Now, I know Dean was busy trawling through Instagram, Twitter, and even Getty images to work out who had been in training and who hadn't. It seems like it was Magda, Melly, and Fran missing, but then Fran appeared on Tuesday morning in the background of a video published on the club's Twitter account. So just bear in mind this is likely to be wrong as the club don't allow any information to be released to us. But I'm going to stick with a 3-4-3. Berger in goal, Bright, Noen and Carter in the back three, Cuthbert, Ingle, Spence and Wrighton as the midfield four with Harder, Kirby and England in attack. Dane, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I have similar. I would, I would, seeing as we're going with, with winning every game, I would swap Spence for Fleming. I know that would mean that you've got Fleming sitting in the uh, two to pivot but if you just have Sophie like you know screening that defence and playing a defensive side and let Fleming like roam like Melanie Loopholes does uh, I think I think that would be a good way to go I don't expect it I can see her going with like more solid with, with Spence and Ingle and letting Wrighton and, and Cuthbert you know like bomb down the wings or as we've sort of talked about does she go for a four you know, what I mean, how then she could have a Fleming, you know, an Ingle and a Spence in in there if it's like a four-two-three-one. Uh, you can have Bethany obviously up front, and but then you where's Wrighton and Cuthbert coming in? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because you know it's so easy to talk, isn't it, and predict and wonder. And I'm I'm so looking forward to that team selection when it comes out, you know, good half an hour for minutes for kickoff and them trying to work out why well, she changed it. We probably still won't know until we're, we're, we're all like pointing at the screen, you know, when they're just about to kick off and trying to work out, well, is that four defenders or remember they, they like to do different things now that like we're seeing it two calls like in recent weeks have come out with in transition, you know, when we've got the ball, you know, we're four at the back when we haven't got the ball, we're, you know, we're three at the back with win back. So she could come up with that, you know, she has tried to do things like that. We see it sort of Man City, uh, uh, earlier on in the season when we thought we was playing at a free but, but Jess Carter was so far back as a right back and right and was so further forward as it wasn't like a left wing back it was more left wing so yeah interesting I'm really looking forward to the team selection I'd have Fleming in now I think Fleming can be like the heartbeat of the team with, with some players missing and I'd, yeah I'd, I'd have her in there somewhere Rob, I know Dean finds it increasingly difficult to leave Fleming out of this side, so she's another one that could play. Is there anybody else you would change, or would you change the whole start in the lineup? Personally, I think that uh, Alsu Abdelina might get a chance on the left hand side. Um, I mean, she's come in from a season that's been ongoing. She's not coming from an off season in Russia. She's been playing very, very well in Russia, and it wouldn't surprise me to see her getting the start, especially if you start England up front because of her crossing ability. I think then you also have Gura writing off the bench as an option to come into that front three or potentially to come in at left wing back. And I think that's more useful. Again, also Abdelina has also played further forward in her career in that left midfield role. And, you know, potentially you could see her put in on the sort of on the in the sort of front three. I think it's interesting. Dane made the point about Thomas Tuchel. 
I remember last week before the first leg of the Spurs Car- uh, Carabao Cup game, someone confidently telling me before the game, Marcus Alonso was playing right wing back, um, which <laughs> turned out to unsurprisingly be complete nonsense. And I think it's, you know, increasingly hard. Increasingly, you're seeing this with players. And this is where I think, you know, the evolution of the game is coming is that you no longer really get players sticking to one position. They're expected to be multifaceted and multifunctional. And previously where versatility and, you know, the utility player used to be a bit of a joke. If you look at, say, sort of 10 years ago, but nowadays you look at people like the utility players in squads, like Aaron Cuthbert, for instance, I would argue Aaron Cuthbert's been our player of the year. And that comes to the fact that you can play her at right wing back, you can play her on right wing, you can play her in central midfield, you can even put her at left wing back and she will perform consistently very, very well. That's a good point, Rob, because when the men's team was at the top of the game and Chilwell and Reese James were the main sort of cogs of the team, when we didn't have the ball, you would regularly see one of them just go into the centre of midfield in front yeah. of like a Jorginho Kovacic or a Kante and just sort of sit there and hover uh, when we didn't have the ball. And it was a tactic I always noticed where I sit at Stamford Bridge. I've always got a really good view of to work out. And like I said, I'd be doing on Sunday. I'm always like, put, uh, one, two, three, four. Wait, uh, wait, where's he playing? You know, where's yeah. that? Like you said about the first leg, it was Ziyech, weren't he? He was playing a weird sort of right... Uh, right wing back uh, without the ball, uh, right wing with the ball sort it of... It reminded me a lot of what Aaron Cuthbert's been doing this season. Mm. So I can, I can only conclude that's where Thomas Tuchel took the tactic from. Um, but I, <laughs> in, sort of in, in genuine seriousness, it wouldn't surprise me if he'd taken a look at... Because I've seen it also be deployed. Uh, Inter Milan did it last year with Akrath Hakimi um, and Conte's sort of Hakimi role. And he would have been watching a lot of that. And one of the things they like to do with their wing backs was when they have possession, push them effectively. So you have a proper de facto back five and you have the five. Then when you're out of possession, one of the defenders steps in into the midfield and effectively augments that midfield, becomes the anchor man. Um, usually the central one of the defenders. And we saw this with Chelsea when it was Conte and David Luiz. And then you've got the ability of that player, who's that ball player, who can pick out the wing backs. And suddenly, if you're pushing them forward, you've got the inside forwards pushing in. And I think that's where, from a Chelsea point of view for these games, it'll be really interesting to see how Panilla Harder and Frank Kirby do. Because we haven't really seen Harder and Kirby connect in the same way we've seen Kerr and Kirby connect. And I think that's partly because they're two similar players. And I also, I you know, I've had various other Mir about this one. There's been on before, but I think Chelsea are really underusing Panilla Harder. And until Chelsea get the most out of Panilla Harder, they aren't getting the most out of this current squad because this is a player who is, you know, in the top three in the world consistently. And I think we would be fair to say she hasn't performed like a top three player. And I don't necessarily think that's her fault. I think that's the fact the system doesn't suit her. Yeah, me. I think Mira sort of alludes to that as well. A lot of the time, the ball. Oh, believe me, believe me, it. she does more than allude to me. Yeah, well, allude yeah. to me in the yeah. ends. But yeah, we've had plenty of plenty of lively debate over the role of Vanilla Hard and Chelsea. Right now, time for our predictions. Dane, I'm going to come for you, come to you first. What do you think the score will be? Yeah, I'm going to say it's going to be a little bit tight. As I say, uh, as we sort of alluded to earlier with, with with Everton, you know, if they try and keep the ball, it might be trying hard to get it off them. But I'm going to say for a uh, not as comfortable as it sounds, 3 0. Okay. Ralph, what would you think then? I mean, it'd be nice to see a score a goal, wouldn't it? I've sort of forgotten what that, you know, that that feeling feels like when you actually put the ball in the net. Um, I think probably I'll go for a 3 1. I could see us, you know, Gaby getting a 2 0 lead, slipping up, letting them back into the game, maybe through, you know, 
something unnecessary, either a piece of brilliance or a mistake, and then late on settling it, a bit like the Brighton game earlier this season. To be honest, anything that is a result that ends in Chelsea winning, I will be happy with, because that's really all that matters for the rest of the season. We could win every game 1-0 for the rest of the season, and it'd be the most turgid, boring football for all I care, because at the end of the year, we'll be holding the trophy. Yeah, no, I'm going to go with 2-0. I'll be happy with 1-0. Like Rob said, I'll be happy with anything that gets us three points. If it means finishing the game 4-3, not that it's we're gonna, it's not going to be a game like that. But hopefully we'll come, come home Sunday with the three points. Sadly, that is all we've got time for this week. We'll be back on Monday to discuss the Everton game and look forward to Wednesday's Conti Cup quarterfinal against West Ham. That podcast will be published on our Patreon, so if you want to hear it first and help support the show, make sure you sign up today. The link to that and our Discord channel will be in the description box of this episode. You can follow us on Twitter at MoKingsMeadow, me at DaneChapelX, Dane at DWIT9 and Rob at RJP Journalism. We are also on Instagram at WentSmokingsMeadow. Rob, lovely to see you again. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. Dane, we've held the fort well with our preview pod. I think always a pleasure. Yeah, I really enjoyed this tonight. We've had some really, obviously, really good guests. Rob's always, you know, good when he comes on, some really good knowledge and insight. And I really enjoyed, you know, the opposition view with Peter, you know, obviously Dean's away doing the men's fan cast, which is actually tomorrow night, not tonight. So God knows what he's up to. Maybe <laughs> another trip to the cinema or something. We've just got his feet up being lazy. But yeah, yeah, no, you've done really well again tonight, Jane. And yeah, it's, it's been a good show. Thank you. Right, that really is it. After four long weeks, Chelsea are back. And we hope this preview has has helped you get in the mood but until next time from Kings Meadow to Wembley keep that blue flag flying high it's the 90th minute all your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.